It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome. It's The World in 10, stories from around the world with the correspondents and reporters of The Times of London. I'm Stuart Willey. And I'm Rebecca Myers. Today, why infrared drones are watching over one of Europe's most beautiful cemeteries. It's crunch time at the Women's World Cup and tucking into a salty snack, you might just start a fight at a classical music festival. In a time when climate change is a top concern, more and more people are choosing to travel by train, especially on holiday. And Europe is an amazing place for this with brilliant high-speed rail lines, except if you're in Germany. Yes, the Sunday Times Europe editor Peter Conradi has reported on the German train system, which is struggling to stay on track and has seen almost one in three trains this year delayed. We spoke to Peter about the chaos. There's something odd about German railways. You'd think the Germans would be good at making their trains run on time, but Deutsche Bahn, the main operator, has long been a bit of a joke among the Germans themselves, with almost a third of trains now arriving more than six minutes late. This summer, in fact, things have got so bad that their neighbours in Switzerland, whose railways, of course, all run like clockwork, have finally had enough, and they've begun to stop German trains from crossing the border if they turn up too late, and even sometimes making passengers finish their journey on a rail replacement bus. And as any good reporter does, Peter went out to experience the issue firsthand. He told us what happened. The plan was to take an intercity express south from Frankfurt down to Basel, just over the Swiss border. Things got off to a predictably bad start. When I got to the Hauptbahnhof, the main station, I was told the train wasn't leaving from there at all because a truck had run into a key railway bridge three weeks ago and they still hadn't managed to repair it. Instead, I had to go to the south station a couple of miles away. The best way to get there, apparently, was to take a tram. Surprisingly, after all I'd heard, my train turned up on time and was quite comfortable, though not as good as a French TGV. Plus, for a high-speed train, it seemed to be going rather slowly, just 70 miles an hour at some points. We soon started slipping behind schedule. First 10 minutes, then 15, then 20. So passengers with tight connections began to worry they'd miss them. But they needn't have worried because the connecting trains were even later. Thankfully, though, we did manage to avoid the rail replacement bus because the driver put his foot down as we neared the Swiss border and cut the delay to just 10 minutes, which by German standards was quite an achievement, apparently. So what's gone wrong? Part of the problem is the German railway network is much bigger and more complicated than, say, the British one, with lines going everywhere rather than just radiating out from the capital. But fundamentally, it's the result of years of underinvestment and trying to make up for that now with engineering works which in the short term means even more delays. And for those travelling around Frankfurt, that pesky broken bridge certainly hasn't helped. 
cryptocurrency now, and Sam Bankman-Fried, the founder of FTX, one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges, is back in the news. You'll remember the dramatic bankruptcy and then arrest of Mr. Bankman-Fried late last year, as he was accused of stealing billions of dollars in customer funds. The Times' US business correspondent Callum Jones told us the latest. After FTX filed for bankruptcy last November, its chief executive, Sam Bankman-Fried, was accused by prosecutors of orchestrating one of America's largest financial frauds. He's pleaded not guilty to the charges and a trial is due to take place in October. In the meantime, he had been staying at his parents' house in California on a $250 million bond. But over the past few months, prosecutors have been complaining about alleged witness tampering. They've accused Bankman-Fried of trying to influence people who are expected to testify against him at trial. And this includes Caroline Ellison, who is a former top executive in his empire and a former girlfriend. Ellison's pleaded guilty to fraud and agreed to cooperate with prosecutors. They say her personal writings were leaked to a newspaper. And on Friday... The presiding judge made clear that he'd seen enough. He revoked Bankman-Fried's bail and sent him to jail. Bankman-Fried's lawyers have indicated they will appeal the decision, but this is another blow for him as he fights to clear his name. He's now set to prepare for trial behind bars. With a Times digital subscription, you can read much more of our coverage on the app or the website, thetimes.co.uk. Now to a slightly odd phenomenon, and I know about this firsthand because I used to live in Paris and I remember arriving and people kept saying to me, have you visited your local cemetery? It's a really big deal over here. Um, And in in Père Lachaise in Paris, you can see Chopin, Oscar Wilde, Gertrude Stein's graves. In London here, you can actually see Karl Marx's grave in Highgate Cemetery as well. And, And millions go to visit these. They're big tourist destinations. Now, another cemetery worth visiting on your European vacation is Monjoic in Barcelona. It's a stunning spot with beautiful mausoleums and sculptures. It's on a hillside and you look out to sea. But Monjoic has had some unwelcome visitors of late, not troublesome tourists, but grave robbers. At first they thought it was maybe just wear and tear, but now hundreds of burial sites have been interfered with and thieves have taken jewellery, watches and even gold dental fillings. In response, Catalonia's police have taken to the sky using drones. Now it's a huge site, this hillside, the final resting place for 175,000 people. There's infrared cameras on these drones that will hopefully capture images of any tomb raiders and bring them to justice. Since the arrival of the drones and increased police patrols, no further robberies have been detected. It's been a huge day at the Women's World Cup, and after two very tense quarterfinals, we now know that European champions England will be playing the hosts Australia in the semi-final. You can hear the Australian fans there celebrating, going crazy. Their game against France was record-breaking with the longest penalty shootout ever. And while the US is out of the competition, England beating Colombia 2-1 means they continue to be in with a chance of winning. But who will win? The other semi-final this week, Sweden against Spain. People seem to have forgotten how to behave at the theatre. 
Like everyone else, I went to see the Barbie movie recently. In the middle of it, one lady stood up, holding her phone out, and took a photo of the screen. No. It was okay. But she had the flash on her camera. Oh, my God. Now, I didn't see anything quite as bad, though, as some of the videos on TikTok. Barbie brawls is a trending topic there. There have been screaming arguments and physical threats between patrons at cinemas in Brazil and even in Britain. Now, somewhere you'd expect theatre etiquette to be a bit better respected, perhaps, is at the Proms, which have been held since 1895. They're Britain's biggest classical music festival, and they hold daily concerts throughout the summer. You might expect that, you know, high passion, shrill voices and hints of violence would be restricted to the stage. (laughs) You might be wrong there, though. It seems this week audiences were treated to a show in the audience. At a performance by the Glyndebourne Festival Opera, a man described as a posh Jean-Paul Gaultier started kicking the seat in front of him and aggressively telling off the American tourists who were seated there. And it's all about the popcorn and the sounds and smells of people eating popcorn have been causing chaos. Um, One critic even said she's been at other performances where she's had to ask people to chew more quietly. Very brave, because I've always wanted to say that, and I actually never have. (laughs) Um, Other patrons saying, you know, it's noisy, it's disgusting. Uh, And in the end, the upset tourists were moved to different seats in this particular brawl, and the beheading of the nuns continued on stage. And hopefully there'll be fewer fights over popcorn before the proms season ends on September the 9th. Now, I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, but I'm assuming a long film about the development of the atomic bomb might be a safe space away from disruption. No such luck there. I went, I nearly left the cinema because it was so loud, but I I basically hedged my bets because I thought it's a three-hour film. They can't have popcorn to last them the whole way through. Massive bucket of popcorn. Join me on the next World in 10 to hear from another Oppenheimer, this one a volcanologist, Clive Oppenheimer. Yes, he insists volcanoes have personalities and they've been known to take over his life, as was revealed at his wedding by one of his longtime collaborators. He unannounced and surprisingly turned up at the reception, uh, very welcome, but it was a great surprise. And he said, uh, he, he gave a little impromptu speech and he said, uh, Clive's got uh, two lovers and everyone sort of... Looking a little bit of surprise, you know, mentioned my wife and then mentioned Erebus. Whether dodging molten lava, mucking about on the craters of active volcanoes, he's a fascinating guy and there's much more on him here tomorrow. But for today, thanks for joining us on The World in 10. <laughs> <laughs>